This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 6th of October 2021. And Norman, in Victoria, the last couple of days have been pretty big jumps in case numbers, kind of scary numbers. The The curve of case numbers there is pointing straight up at the sky. And I think it's got a lot of people in Victoria just wondering why they seem to have such bad luck. And I just wondered whether we could put the Victorian situation into perspective, kind of using New South Wales as a bit of a forecast, I suppose, for what might be coming down the track. Well, nothing annoys Victorians more than comparing themselves to New South Wales, <laughs> given that the Victorian outbreak is a New South Wales outbreak. I mean, if New South Wales hadn't had the outbreak, then Victoria wouldn't be having the problems they've got now. So I'll say what I've said before about this is that the it's more complicated, the outbreak in Victoria, because there's more than one source, one limo driver in New South Wales, more than one source from New, from New South Wales into Victoria. So that's the first thing. It's probably a more deep-seated, more widespread pandemic in the community than it was ever in New South Wales. You've got lockdown fatigue, which is big time, and you had a problem over grand final time with parties and uh, lack of compliance. So there's a, there's a problem with lack of compliance with lockdown the extent to which you could actually increase that and make it tougher is just really hard on Victorians. It's now the longest running lockdown city in the world. However, as we said, I think it was yesterday in Coronacast, hospitalisation rates, there is good news in, in amongst this, the hospitalisation rates have come down. So the rate of hospitalizations halved. The rate of ICU admissions has gone from about 5% to about 1.5%. So that's all good news. But if the numbers keep on going, the numbers in hospital will also grow, albeit at a slower, a slower level. If you look at the peak in New South Wales, which was around about September 11th, 1,603 cases, they were 78.5% first dose immunized, 46% second dose. So at this point yesterday, uh, in Victoria, there were about 82% first dose, 53%. So higher vaccination levels than, than New South Wales had at a similar rate. That's right. But if you've had a blowout over grand final day, that could be distorting things quite considerably. The numbers of immunisations are quite a lot lower. So New South Wales was tracking well over 100,000 a day during this period around September 11th. Uh, Victoria, a couple of days ago, was 96,000, really struggling to get up to over 100,000, even though they've been doing a great job at, at immunisation. So immunisation is really the way out of this, but it's going to be a really tough job, harder than New South Wales, because you've still got that exponential growth. And at the level of immunisation that New South Wales was turning the corner, you've just not got that yet in Victoria. And it's uh, social distancing and lockdown. I mean, that's the tool that we've got here. And also TTIQ. Um, Test, trace, isolate and quarantine. Yeah, the extent to which people are getting tested and contact tracing is keeping up with things. And that's obviously f the higher the number, the poorer quality your contact tracing is through no fault of the contact tracers. It's just simply overwhelming them. So you're, you're, you're teetering on the edge in terms of control with your existing levels of lockdown, contact tracing and testing. But you've really just got to escalate in Victoria the numbers of vaccines every day. So what you're saying is everything else sort of remains the same. The only 
needle that we can push is the vaccination needle, so to speak. And the quicker that happens, the quicker we'll start to see the effects of that on the case numbers. Yeah, particularly in the suburbs in Victoria, which have been low immunisation suburbs, which, some of which are in the northern, northern or western corridor. But vaccination is really the way it's going to turn the corner. So even if the case numbers are high, the hospitalisation rates start to, dis, de, start to decouple and they're already starting to decouple. So anyone over the age of 12 or anyone 12 and up in Australia is now eligible for a vaccine. But for kids under 12, there's that risk of of them catching the virus and taking it into schools. And that group of experts that we've spoken about a couple of times now, the Osage group, has put out some new guidance on what schools can be doing to reduce the risk for younger kids. Yeah. So just to remind people what Osage is, this is a group of independent experts in infection, respiratory infections and pandemic control really across the spectrum of the skills you need to be able to control a pandemic. Unfortunately, they are a group of people that largely have been ignored by the federal government and their expert advice, but they really do, if we can make an editorial judgment, know what they're talking about. So they put out a paper now on protecting children, because as we move forward with larger case numbers, as we open up, it's going to be kids who will be infected. Essentially, as we open up and the virus circulates, everybody who's unvaccinated is going to catch COVID eventually. Um, that's what's going to happen. And maybe even people who are vaccinated. So children are potentially at risk. But it doesn't mean that it's a negative story. And what they quote in the paper was San Francisco, where kids have been protected while keeping schools opened. And what we're talking about here, until kids can get vaccinated, is a multifaceted approach with a lot of attention paid to ventilation, to HEPA filters, and Victoria has ordered a lot of HEPA filters for its school-based population, using carbon dioxide monitors in classrooms and indoor areas so that you can assess how good the ventilation is and how likely it is for virus to be circulating. Because if it does get away from us in young children, then on based on UK data, about 1% of children um, who tested positive require admission to hospital. That's higher, been higher in Australia. 3% of kids who've tested positive so far have been hospitalised, but many of those are what are called social admissions because their parents are sick and not able to look after them. And you've got a, a low rate of fatalities. It's 1 in 50,000 infections. But if you get a huge number of children infected, potentially, although it will be a very rare event, a child may die. So you've got to do what you can. School is the high-risk situation. And, of course, mask-wearing and well-fitted masks. We've actually got a question from a kid. Max is 10, and he's written in saying... Hi, Norman and Tegan. My mum, Cass, has been listening to your podcast podcast every day for over a year. Can you tell me what the difference is between a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old getting vaxxed? I'm 10 and I want to get vaxxed so that we can end lockdowns. Max, superb question. 12 is just, they, they chose that age. And um, partly because um, when you get into adolescence, you start to behave more like an adult. They mix a bit more and that's the age that they chose when you're younger than 12, your body behaves a bit differently from older kids. So it's, you know, they just drew a line and said 12 there. And there's probably not that much difference between a 20-year-old and a 12-year-old. And you're just in that spot, Max, where you've got to wait until the vaccine's approved. I can understand the frustration. We had it with adults, by the way, Max, just to make you feel a bit better, where we had adults writing into us on Coronacast saying, I'm 61. Why can't I have Pfizer when a 59-year-old can have Pfizer? 
and we had that too. The, the line gets drawn and it's, um, it's tough. And Chrissy's got a question from my home state of Queensland saying, I know this could change any second, but how have we managed to dodge so many bullets in Queensland? Is it just luck, the warmer weather, more compliant? I doubt that it's the third one, Norman. Uh, I doubt that it's the third one at all. I think it's luck, to be honest, luck and getting onto it very quickly. That's a lot of luck, Norman. We've had a fair few incursions into Queensland so far. I feel like I should buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> um, well, I, I stand by my luck. I mean, we didn't have the southwestern suburbs birthday party where 30 people or so attended and most came away COVID positive. I'm not sure we've had those super spreading events in Queensland. And I think you're lucky to have avoided it, to be honest. I just think Queensland, South Australia, WA, all of those states that haven't had big outbreaks need to use their luck um to basically just get vaccinated. Absolutely. We're seeing, like you just said in, in Norman in Victoria, the faster that vaccine rate rises, the safer we all are. That's true. And one last question from Wendell saying, thanks, Tegan, <laughs> thanks, Wendell, for the explanation on drug names. The nerd in me loves that sort of stuff. Same. I know it's off topic for CoronaCast, but how do antibiotic drug names follow a standard? Most of them seem to end in sin, but there's also lin, line, zin, zol, and prim. Norman, give us more language chats, please, on how drugs are named. So really good question, Wendell. Um, we could do a session on how drugs are named. With antibiotics, there's different types of antibiotics, families of antibiotics, and that the suffix on them tells you which family they belong to. So amoxicillin belongs to the penicillin family. Antiviral drugs uh, don't have many families at the, as, as many families at the moment. Is that why they just all end in veer? Veer for virus. I have gone down a bit of a rabbit hole with this sort of thing. Anyone who wants to know more about drug names, suffixes, prefixes and stems should send a message to abc.net.au slash coronacast and we can start a drug etymology club. Uh, that's also where you can send your questions if you have questions for this podcast. And we will see you tomorrow. See you then. <laughs> 